When you edit this later, it's like going to be really loud in your ears. Yep. <laughs> Stop breaking my mouth. I'm not. I didn't break it. God. I didn't break it. You break it, you Jesus. Bite. Right, you ready? Yeah, you can just get a table to put them on. You can stick the bench here if you like. <laughs> or you can sit at the table. I thought we sit up now. No, I prefer the idea of sat on the sofa. It's much more cosy. And this is a relaxed conversation. It's not very formal. Well, Morgan, welcome to Benevolent <laughs> Business. I've broken my mic now. Jesus. Welcome to Benevolent Business, you're... Sat in. <laughs> <laughs> so, doing this spin-off, we're just going to go through some business challenges and how we would overcome them based on helping make businesses improve to become more sustainable, more environmentally friendly, create a happier working environment for staff and team and the community around. But this episode, because when I was growing my business... You was always very... You, you was full of wisdom when it came to understanding humans and interacting with them, being able to manage them. Yeah, try. <laughs> and you was always a go-to for me in overcoming those challenges. So all the situations I've got for you are focused around staff and how to overcome. We've got a few to go through and I've made... I've saved, I think, the hardest the hardest challenge I've saved for last. So if you're listening, stick around for that one. Oh, I'm ready. Okay. Right. Scenario number one. I have a service-based business. I'm scenario me. <laughs> I have I'm going to make this the weirdest podcast you've ever, episode you've ever done. Huh? I'm going to make this the weirdest episode. <laughs> I have a service-based business. I'm getting too busy on my own now. I do everything. Quoting, invoicing, bookkeeping, and the work. I need help on the tools, but I don't have enough stability to employ someone, but want to find a good person that will be reliable. I want to build a team, but unsure how to take that first step. What is the business again, sorry? They just say a service-based business, but I mean, this service is... Service-based, okay. Yeah, so like, well, my garden business is service-based, so like gardeners, cleaners, plumbers, they all provide a service. Yeah. But this is literally the scenario I went through a few years back when I started my business. But yeah, do you want to okay. give the first take? Um, I suppose the first thing I might suggest is to review the processes you've got in place, and is it in a handover format, or is it all inside your brain? Because if you're trying to hand it over to someone and it's in your brain... That, that communication doesn't come across easily. Mm-hmm. So you need to either have it like bullet pointed down or steps to follow or it needs to be something which is a um, a, a 2x, 5x plan for that business. And does that need to be a platform or not? And also check whether you're doing something in... Um, like, you, you know when you like have certain ways of doing things but it's not necessarily because there's logic applied to it it's just because you have that certain way of doing things yeah that doesn't work <laughs> true so you need it needs to be um like efficient to the steps of the objective not necessarily i mean some things need to go through certain processes but um you need to have a clear objective with milestones of how to get there um and just make sure that every step is efficient and not a waste of time and then the first thing I would do in terms of trying to get staff, I would actually go and seek out colleges and schools. Colleges and schools? Yeah. Mm. So I think apprenticeships are such a big thing now. Mm. And I mean, I started from an apprenticeship and half the people that I know started from apprenticeships. So, And I think <clears throat> uni needs to be a very like specific thing to go for. Um, but then also you're giving someone the opportunity to be able to learn. And also, if take, taking someone from school and from college, they've got no inherited bad traits <laughs> True. from previous workplaces. You've just got to make sure you have all the good traits to install on them and not the bad traits. Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. It'll be really difficult. <laughs> That's, I feel like everyone's just worked out now that you're a project manager because that was a very... 
was it? Yeah, very professional, put, very professional. Put it around your cap on. I was just like, I wasn't like obviously giving you a sni- the situation, and you're gonna respond, and it was like gold, pure gold. <laughs> but, uh, I've, I suppose I agree with a lot of what you said, and mine. It's interesting how our brains have responded to the scenario when I think about how different, like the components of the question I was focusing on, and so as a project manager in that more corporate setting and working with a team, your brain instantly fixated on the task in hand and the scope of works and how to delegate that to someone. Whereas me, from my experience in business and going through, literally going through this scenario myself of having work, well, in a garden business, having a garden business, getting too busy and being like, right, I now need someone to start working with me or for like for me. Uh, my brain's instantly focusing on that individual you're trying to take on and all the challenges I went through and how for this person they can avoid a lot of the struggles I had so I'm focused purely on how they find that person rather than the scope but obviously that's a huge huge part of it and that was a huge part of my journey but I think that's something that if you can do it as soon as possible the better but when you take on your first person given that you're going to be one-on-one with them so much a lot of that stuff that's in your brain that you haven't written down you can communicate it to them I yeah. think but definitely once you get I think it's if you can do it I mean when you are in this position you are just swamped and you're doing everything and the idea of putting everything into processes is, is so time consuming that it might be worth taking on a, a person working with them and ironing it out and then together creating that yeah of- I mean you could also look at it from the perspective though of getting someone in to be able to create those processes for you yeah and I mean that so would like, depend on budgeting if something needs to go if you're doing something on Excel and it needs to go to a platform, um, you'll be able to find someone that can make that transition from Excel to platform for you. Yeah. And at that point, they've learned the business and how that works. And mm. then from there, you find someone else. Yeah, that would be a huge budget to put together. But then we can go into that as well. But one point I want to come to, so like you said about going to colleges, universities, to f- and like looking at the avenue of apprenticeships, which is definitely an incredible way to work and that's something that I did especially when you are small and you haven't got the budget so like in this scenario they're talking about they want to take someone on but they haven't got the budget to employ someone but then it's you want to find someone reliable and good but then how can you like you need to be able to offer something reliable and good if you want to get reliable and good yeah so when I took someone on I was just looking for self-employed staff and it would be like one to three days a week and it would eventually become full-time whereas with an apprentice it's so much cheaper and there's so much support like government back support in terms of the funding for it in terms of actually managing them you can get so many support in different aspects and literally being trained how to train someone and yeah, how to take and, someone on and no one goes for an apprenticeship unless they actually want to do it as well you'll always find good eggs and bad eggs i think but i think the only thing to consider with that is it's probably the best option one is like how soon do you need them and yeah. apprenticeships can be a time-consuming way of going through it another thing would be once you've got them to a point where they're comfortable what do you need them to do so like as a service-based business as an example in my garden company the idea was I was taking on my first staff member and I would eventually given that they the idea would be that they would stay with me and then as we looked for team member like the second employee the third employee you would want that first employee to be able to kind of shine above the rest and show them how to do things and kind of be working with you to manage them and to train them but also in that as a service-based business you'd want them to be able to drive a vehicle and be going out around on mm. jobs so if you're taking on an apprentice the difficulty is 
would they be able to drive a vehicle for you? And that can make all kinds of complications in insurances. So like with mine, I had fleet policies which had limitations on the age of where people yeah. could drive. So if you're taking on an apprentice, you are going to have someone younger. So I think the key is having those, as you said, I think you alluded earlier, having long-term goals in place for your business and what is like what would the five-year plan be taking on this person are they going to suit that all five years down the road or are you going to have to change your plan so if you was to take on someone that is like 18 they could be really good and you could mold them and craft them to be specific for your business and together create something really systemized and really efficient but you might have to slow pace it and wait till they get to like 21 or something and then look to expand your team because they can mm. then drive the vehicles, which is it's only three years and depends what your growth trajectory is. Whereas if you're thinking, no, I want to take them on and in six months time, I want another person, you're going to be thinking, well, who's going to be out in the vans with them? Are you just going to get a van with six seats and you're going to go out together or four seats, whatever it is, or are you going to try and have multiple vans and multiple teams in which case, because that's something I went through looking at younger people was if they were really great on the tools and that, what's, what's the limitation if they can't drive? And this is again, whereas like, I suppose I'm looking at this directly from the struggles I had. And as yeah. well as like, you might take someone on and realistically, you're probably going to do a really bad job. Cause I did when I, like the first person I employed, do you remember Josh? Mm. First person I employed, really great guy. I genuinely think if I had taken him on at a later stage where, or if I was able to have the knowledge I had at a later stage, I would have been able to take him on and give him that reliability that he needed because he was in a position where he wanted to, he started part-time, but he wanted to build up to full-time and ideally be employed and have that security of knowing I get paid X a month, I got my pension, when I'm looking at my future and I want to think about moving out and that kind of thing, I know I've got this stability, whereas what I was offering was just casual self-employed work. Sometimes it was three days, sometimes it was four days. So he, he didn't quit based on not liking the job. He just had to yeah. quit because he needed that stability. Yeah, but I think it was, it's important to understand the kind of people that, like, the kind of, like, target audience you're trying to address for the business that you're working in. Mm. So, like, there are different things that drive different people. Like, for me, I really, I mean, I don't know if I come across like I do, but I really care about, like, community development mm. and career development for people and, like, reaching their goals and what they want and, like, having that upskill. Um if you're a company which doesn't value that as much, not saying that's wrong or right, if you like, if I as an individual have a business and I value money mm. and that's the top priority, you probably don't want to employ someone that's all about community. No, very true. So you kind of need to, like, obviously that that's a bit difficult because you're going to have to probably employ them probation period, kind of learn what they're like. Mm. But you also need to figure out what type of person you need and what kind of role as well. Yeah, I just had a thought as well because, like, what you were saying about looking at finding support to help you systemize your business, and where you said about when when you delegate, you need to have the layout to scope it to someone in order to delegate. You can't just say, like, in my industry, I can't just employ a gardener and say, right, go look after that garden. There needs to be a scope. There needs to be here's how we mow the lawn. Here's how we do all of these tasks in the way that we do them to ensure that it meets the quality, to ensure that we're communicating to the client and such. So I'm just kind of thinking on this actually as a, if you are someone that's service-based and you're a one-person team, is rather than going down the route of employing on the tool staff. So like in my business, I just went straight to let's employ on the tool staff. And I spoke to, I had a few like HR consultants and whatnot and solicitors, lawyers that I knew. I knew a lot of people in different industries. So I would just kind of go to them for like a few tips and bits of advice and like would pay out for 
various contracts and whatnot. But in one thing to consider is if you are that person is could you look to be working yourself on the tools but start to delegate other aspects so like this person's talking about they do everything the quoting the invoicing the bookkeeping and the work well you're looking to build up the work with someone what if instead you're doing the work and say i don't know what some people might just do seven days on the tools. some people might be like right i do five days on the tools and i'm doing one day all admin or it's like i'm doing four days on the tools and one day admin what if you look to delegate those things? So like get a bookkeeper on board, you can spend like 30 pound a month. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be a few basics, but something where 30 pound a month to 100 pound a month on your bookkeeping. So it just means that all of that is managed for I you. I think you have to also like consider valuing what your time spent is and how much that's yeah. costing versus investing in something that does it for you. Yeah, exactly. So like as a bookkeeper, if you could say you're spending a day a week and you're really struggling to organize that, like, because I think a lot of people that are on the tools aren't necessarily designed well to be sat in an office doing bookkeeping. Mm. It's kind of, there's such different components of the brain that are activated in doing that. So if you are spending a day a week doing the admin and it's just really frustrating if you could have a bookkeeper that's just contracted and you're spending even if it's a hundred pound a month well that gives you a, if that frees you up for half a day a week yeah. could you go and make 150 pounds yeah. in that time and it's instantly covered and it's actually making you more money and therefore go down the avenue of find a bookkeeper get working with them and then have them working with your accountant yeah. and then above that then start looking at someone that can support in lead generation or maybe you can get uh, not a VA but like phone support I can't remember what it's called but you just have like a a a phone line so when like customer rings up like my company for example like oh hi this is Bloomfield Sustainable Solutions rather than me answering the phone all the time it would just be them so you can do that as a fixed monthly cost or you can do that as a pay per call receive kind of uh, program it depends what the company offers but that again is something where you could be spending 30 pound a month 50 pound a month mm. 100 pound a month and it means that you're not missing calls it means that they're instantly being taken and they would have probably quite a good thorough system to gather the data that you need and as well they'll be able to have that conversation with you because that's something i think when i started my business when i was taking phone calls it was the only thing i knew what to do on how to take that call was just based on i worked for a tree surgeon part-time and kind of listened to how they take calls mm. And then as my business grew, I learned so much more about business and the data that I wanted, I wanted like contact information, the address, I wanted specifics around the garden. I wanted filters to go through with mm. this prospect to see, are they gonna be a valuable client? Is this gonna be a waste of their time and my time? And how can I make, how can I like pre-qualify them? So if you start to outsource things like that, you could suddenly see that as the operator, you, you could be doing five days a week, making much more money and revenue and all like so many other aspects of what you're doing behind the scenes are taken care of for you and then once you've got to that point where you've got a good strong lead generation strategy in terms of that phone calls being managed for you so you're getting the information you need you've got someone managing the book so that's all sorted for you which can be a big thing when you're scaling up especially if you're a sole trader and you go limited and then you become VAT registered like if your books aren't all in order it becomes an absolute nightmare to deal with (laughs) but you could scale your business in that direction so then you get to a point where your business, it's just you working, but it becomes so much more organized and efficient that you could find that you could like increase your prices, you could be much more efficient, you could learn to upsell, cross-sell, downsell. And these are all things that I was learning as I grew my business that took a long time through trial and error, I'm making a lot of mistakes, but you could work a lot of that out working with these suppliers outsourcing this 
these tasks that you don't like so much, getting a good rhythm and a good system, good relationship going with them, and then it could help you scale really quick. Because mm. even if you've got someone doing your bookkeeping and then you've got someone doing the calls and you start to work with a HR consultant in how to take on staff and rather than just jumping straight into it, you spend some time getting to know the processes and whatnot. They could even help you on board and they could be involved in the consult like as a consultant essentially to come in with your team to work with you to build that up for them and build up for you but of course that's all based around like there's so many different complexities and it's going to be down to the individual and what they want and what their goals look like in the future so it might be that that's a priority for you but then if you're working out of like your garage at home or like me i was living at home with my mum and my tools were just in the kind of porch way it might be that you need to have a base. But I mean, I worked like that for years and had multiple staff members just working out of the porchway before I got a yard and actual space. But then I went from that to having a yard with an office, with parking. So I kind of like jumped the gun rather than having like a small little garage I just rented out. I just went from like zero Mm -hmm. to, Mm -hmm. not 100, but I went zero to something like really Mm -hmm. quite in in that jump. So I think it, it does depend on the individual on that specific. I think we've covered a lot there. Is there anything you wanted to add as a final point um, on it? No, I don't think so. Well, hopefully that's given some good ideas. Okay, well done. That went really well. well. <laughs> we did good, we did good. How's that? Yeah. Number two. So geeky. <laughs> I run a charity and have a volunteer helping me in the office. They do three days a week and have been a huge help. But it seems lately, over the last couple of months, they're getting too chatty. I'm all for ch- catching up and making a cuppa when they come in, but it's starting to slow me down and they're getting less done themselves. I just want to be able to get everything done and have them working more efficiently, but feel bad given they're giving up their time for free. How can I get both of us back to working well without offending them? And I get this, it's like they've become, as they're getting more familiar, rather than just coming in the office and cracking on it's like oh how's your week been what you been up to mm. especially if they're doing part-time and this is their only social sorry yeah is that an, like a, the person that runs the charity talking to someone that's a volunteer is that like two volunteers yeah so my understanding is they are running a charity they're the full-time they're doing this full-time and they've got someone that's helping them out uh part-time giving their time as a volunteer so this is unpaid so I, they haven't specified ages or anything. This could be someone that's like 16 and trying to gain some experience. This could be yeah. someone that's retired. This could be someone that's rich and sold their business for 50 million and now just likes the idea of helping well, out if they're charity. rich and sold their business that much, you think that they would know what performance looks like. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, well, you'd probably be surprised to be fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's difficult if you're kind of blurring the line between like seniority level and friendship but i think you just have to keep reinforcing like these are your tasks this is what like th- this is what needs to happen this mm. week or this is what needs to happen by the end of the day and like maybe like even put that back on those like do you see any issues with that happening or like do you don't do you not think that's yeah, gonna happen and if they say point. yes that is gonna happen or if they say no you'd be like okay well, what do you think is gonna like impact you yeah and then go from there because i think if you, if you start to maybe setting it on like a day-by-day value of what you want to have happened and then putting that question back on them I think that does a lot for them to be like okay these need to get done yeah makes a lot of sense I like one thing I was thinking reading this was my initial question of how did 
the relationship begin so when this person started volunteering what is it you outlined to them was there this clear discussion around the input you expect the output you expect from them what goals need to be achieved what work they're going to be doing or was it something much more kind of casual in the sense of oh yeah i'm looking for some support oh yeah if you're happy to come and help me like we don't know if this is just a friend of the family we don't know if this is they've actually gone out and seeked volunteers uh and like for the person volunteering what is it that they're looking to gain from it because if they're looking to gain as much experience as possible Mm -hmm. in order to use it on their cv they're going to want to get the experience whereas if it's someone that they've kind of had their career they're retiring but they want to keep busy they don't need money then like what they're looking for probably is something Mm -hmm. to have a relationship and have that entertainment that conversation they don't just want to go in and do a job they want to do and they've got every right to say like they're not being paid they've got every right to kind of expect it to be more relaxed but i think that's something to reflect on if it doesn't work out or if you're taking more volunteers on it's just how do you outline the parameters of that working relationship from the beginning and have the expectation clearly understood and articulated communicated between both parties and as well like other volunteers because as well if you try and if you're going to take on another volunteer and outline that that's just going to break down between the previous volunteer if they're still there and suddenly there's going to be different expectations and different understandings of the workload but i think like on this similar to what you said have those conversations and you want to be i suppose quite considerate about and careful uh, yeah, the difficulty is if they're volunteering, they're doing it for a good deed or for the culture. That's yeah. there, that's what keep, will keep bringing them back. But I think if you set like a, a look, well, don't use the words target. But if you just outline what you believe is achievable in the day with them and what you ask them to mm. do, and if they give you any feedback that's not going to be the case, then you kind of obviously agree or yeah. adjust or whatever for that. But um, I suppose like the other, like like aspect of it that you can do is um well i mean yeah i don't know it, it is difficult to kind of when you start like blurring those lines but like kind of reinforce um like good deeds by tasks mm. reinforce good deeds by tasks yeah so if she, she's she or he is helping out with stuff around this like charity shop um, and give them that reinforcement that they're doing a good job based on tasks, not on talking. It doesn't specify charity shop, just says charity. So they might be in an office. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose in to try and role play it into the day-to-day, like actual tangible actions is when that person next comes into the office or shop, whatever the scenario is. So they come in, I'm guessing, like they're saying, there's some chit chat as they start their day, probably making a cup of tea or like getting a drink and such. In that time, try and get the conversation onto. Here's what we need to crack on with, or try maybe go in with a. Look, I'm feeling quite over. I'm gonna really need to like have your support this week. We've got a lot to crack on with. I just wanted to run through with you this morning first thing, so we can outline what we need to get done. So then try and get them on board with that, or it could just be a case of uh, try. I don't know, it could even be like, oh, I went on a management course this weekend and got some really good tips. I want to like run through some ideas and try and see how we can become more efficient get yeah. your thoughts and opinions on it but just ha- outline that at the beginning sit down plan look at what the outcomes that you're looking to achieve are and just get their input in terms of what do you think we can achieve today and if they are kind of like oh let's just get point one done on the list and then we're good and it's like well point one is phone these five people that can be done in 20 minutes mm-hmm. maybe try and 
boost the positivity and kind of challenge them into like apply a bit of gamification of like oh well i reckon i reckon i could do 10 calls like whatever it is Mm -hmm. or i reckon i can get four of these tasks done i bet Mm -hmm. during you can do better than me i reckon i could smash these out but that again is like understanding the person if they're a little bit competitive that would work where and especially if you've got that person that doesn't need the money and they've had a successful career there's definitely going to be an aspect of competition i think to them whereas if it's a younger person it might be not as effective but I think in understanding that relationship and nurturing the components that will help motivate them or even just bring it back to yourself and be like look we really need to get these done today it's going to be difficult Mm. but are you happy to smash this out Um, and I'm just here with you whenever you need my support on that or even just like work in different rooms (laughs) just if you haven't but just have your headphones in be on calls or whatever just that way you can't talk yeah I suppose it's just we need to know the the context of the the work environment you could just go in bluntly and say I think we're chatting too much and we're just sitting around having like a casual meeting just do a performance review yeah but yeah and I think if you you go in a bit blunt you will yeah I think you'll offend them and annoy them but you just don't want to be conscious that it is volunteer work yeah so like regardless if if they are obviously there's an extent of talking that stopped impacting like the work that you're doing but where it is volunteer work like there is an aspect of like you're happy to accept just that people are going to be yeah. thinking about these things and there's exposure to these kind of topics yeah and I think just having a few key phrases in mind for when I th- it's not going to be something that you flick a switch and this is solved it's going to be something that it keeps coming up and you're going to have to like review and go back to the drawing board and think of some mm-hmm. other points so there are I think have a few catchphrases almost in your head ready to ready to like bring forth when it's happened so for example say mid-morning whatever make another cup of tea and it's and they're like oh do you want a cup of tea yeah yeah brilliant so they make the cup of tea blah 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 and suddenly they get chit chat and they come and put the cup of tea down on your desk or your section and they're standing or they take a seat and it's like oh well are you how are you getting on yeah you good oh how was your weekend whatever yeah engage in that but then try and be like um try and say like oh, i'm really sorry to cut you off i've got to get this email done but yeah. um I mean, I at work sometimes, um, if I'm trying to like have focus time on something specific, I don't know, it depends if like the workplace allows it, just put your headphones on. Yeah, yeah. Because people want, people, like every time I've had my headphones on and I'm not on a call or anything like that, people come up to me and ask me if I'm on a call beforehand. Yeah. And if everyone, if you're... They're a little bit like discouraged to come. Yeah, I understand that. I think it's Tim Ferriss in the four day work week wrote out about in terms of how to try and work more effectively with distractions was to have a symbol on top of the computer screen so it was something like I can't remember what it was but they had like a big red triangle yeah and it's like I don't know a big red triangle on your back or like a big red triangle symbol on your computer and if you had that it meant do not under any circumstances distract me unless Mm. it's an emergency Mm. because they like they're in flow they're getting work done Uh, if there's only two of you and you've got someone that's just three days a week you probably don't need something as dramatic as that and that is probably more effective when you've got a larger office space and you've got a lot of people working and it's just an understanding of how the company communicates but I do think having a few phrases of just like oh really sorry to cut you off I've really got to get this email done I've really got to get this call done I've really got to get these things done Um, let's we'll go for lunch at one and have a good catch up on those things and we can we get priority time to talk about yeah exactly so don't dismiss the person but show that you want to engage with them and the opportunity to do that is 
this space or say oh when we're done or whatever how do you fancy like going yeah. and grabbing a drink after after at the end of the day i'll treat you to dinner or something like those kinds of things so it means you can get the task done and then you can mm. allocate that time elsewhere and or, or like flip it back on them and you could try and find ways if you're going over to them and suddenly the conversation like say you go over to just what's an example you've made them a cup of tea or you've gone over to check that they've got that email done and then suddenly they're like yeah yeah got that email done oh what do you think about this and they start wandering off onto all kinds of tangents it's just bring that back to like oh sorry i've distracted you i'll let you crack on i'm gonna go get my i'll crack on as well i'll stop distracting you now like you're putting that into their mind of like getting back onto the task yeah. i think we resolved that one pretty quickly you got anything else to add Mm-mm. nada nada Number three. How are you finding it so far? Yeah, it's good. I'm enjoying it. Good. Are you just saying that? No, I am enjoying it. I'm <laughs> just like very like conscious I'm playing with my hair a lot, but I've got really long hair. I'm sure that's, I think that's a enjoyable for every viewer to see your long... That's a trait. Long locks. And also, like, my nails are all... Yours are all as well, and that's probably going to irritate people. But <laughs> we move. This is a business podcast. I don't think people are going to be assessing our nails and hair, although my hair does look they pretty cool. They definitely will be. Fair enough be kind okay next next situation scenario oh back to finding the first employees looking for my first employee but i've had no interest from indeed or facebook and don't have the time to find someone but need them to start as soon as possible i'm swamped with work i've thought about a recruitment agent but the cost is around two grand which i just can't afford how can i go about finding my first employee any advice i feel like this kind of circles around to the first question of yeah. going to schools and colleges and unis and things like that. I think, yeah, it definitely it's covered a lot of it. I think going more specifically on Indie, Facebook, like they've been putting job ads out, is therefore that it leaves the opportunity to investigate what content. If you're having no interest, mm. I mean, I, I experienced this myself in terms of, I remember on Indeed, I spent, like when I, so in the, it was over a few years that I was constantly employing people and there was always active like marketing activity around finding prospective employees Mm. and initially I could go on Indeed and put jobs up for free and with that you're obviously at the bottom of the list you're not going to be page one that kind of thing you can pay to get that premium and jump up the list and such same as like Google Ads and that was fine I would get people and get interest but then that kind of end I think it ended entirely I don't think you can post don't quote me on this but I don't think you can post for free on Indeed anymore and then later down the line like going into a couple years later I then paid it was something like 400 pound for a bunch of I can't remember what it was but it was a time frame of advertising and and Mm. pushing it up the the list and that 400 pound got me something like free free leads free people applied and out of the free I think two of them I communicated with one dropped off instantly and then one person went through and employed them and it went very badly but it can be a case of there is just a job market is flooded with jobs so people have got a lot of choice and i think that is definitely the scenario now i mean people you always hear from both sides people are saying oh there's just no jobs you can't get a job it's so hard to find employment but then you get I speak to a lot of business owners and it's like, you just can't find staff. I put jobs out, no one's interested, da 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 And I think a lot of that comes down to what you're offering. So with what you're putting out on Indeed and Facebook, I sp- it's very hard, but try and be empathetic about, understand the person you're looking for. In the same way when you're marketing to find clients and customers, 
you've really got to understand the profile of who you're looking for in order to communicate in a way that they're going to respond to it and engage with it and therefore mm. want to pursue it and so and these are two very different platforms indeed facebook i mean they've listed those they might be using more like insta and all other different job marketing sites like monster i think monster jobs or whatever and monday but you're depending on what you've got so like indeed you're limited on what you can put there whereas facebook you can do it in the form of like creating a nice graphic thing like i used to do job posters essentially and get those out and i was i was always reading a lot of self-help books business books looking at like psychology human behavior and also looking at just strategies in terms of how to find great stuff like going on youtube looking at different books that specifically on finding staff managing staff and leading a team that kind of thing and also just like podcasts talking about this to just get as much content as possible to understand how because if you just have something up like going back to the example of my business gardener required like job opportunity gardener employed five days a week what are you selling them on and that obviously there you've got like employed five days a week that's stability but stability with that five days a week is kind of like well every job full-time mm. job offers that so what are you offering what are you offering a mission are you offering a purpose like if you go and work for tesla they're offering a mission you're joining this mission to transform the world to sustainable energy whereas if you go and work for a garden company that's probably not going to be what the mission is and if mm. it's a small business it might just be a case of we're looking to grow a team of a handful of passionate people and we want to focus purely around what our passions are and exploring that if whether it's landscape design maintenance that kind of thing so you're you're promoting a work line that's more around the person that you're trying to find so i think that's something to look into and that's something i spent a lot of time and it took me years to work out and you do get a lot of critical feedback when you start sharing stuff on social media like i, I know when i was putting stuff on facebook i was getting all kinds of like hate on the ads of people just being like garden job who wants to do that or like oh is that all the wages and like putting the wage up i think is an important thing as well and just for transparency you you want to give as much information away as possible because initially i never gave the wage and it was something that people would find out when they oh, applied yeah, I would say whereas i would say give that. it because you're then it's just another way to, you need to be like filter. specific and honest yes yeah, neither of those things i don't think you're going to get any traction no exactly and if you are specific enough honest it's a way to just tickle the boxes to filter like say you've got a pool of ten thousand people well if you say I'm looking for someone to do work for me, 10,000 people can apply. But because it's saturated, those 10,000 people are looking at everything that says mm. we're looking for people. If you narrow it down to like, okay, instead of just people, we're looking for gardeners. Well, that takes your 10,000 down to 100. You've now got it down to 100 people. Out of gardeners, we're looking for people that want full-time employment. Okay, well that narrows it down a bit more. We're looking for people that are specifically passionate about this element of gardening, whether it's about becoming more mm. sustainable, whether it's about... It's almost like you need a dating profile to get... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just trying to allow people to view it and filter themselves. Yeah. There was, uh, in the networking thing, there was always this example uh, someone used when they came in to like the business network I was in and talked about specific is terrific and used the example of saying uh, this, this the example was he was saying to someone it was like the aunt <laughs> let me start again an example in terms of like specific being terrific it's coming up for Christmas your, your niece you're gonna get him a DVD it's a bit old-fashioned but gonna get him a DVD 
so you're going to outsource this and you say to your assistant go get my niece a dvd for christmas well well they know wouldn't click at your assistant huh <laughs> like you wouldn't click at your assistant Sorry. <laughs> go get you. you say to your assistant could you arrange a dvd for my niece for christmas so the information they've got there is they know it's your niece and if they're looking at you as someone that's like in their 50s the niece could be in their 30s their 40s their 20s they could be four years old so then if you say okay my niece is in their 20s all right well that gives you a bit more of a breakdown oh by the way my niece is a massive fan of fantasy sci-fi well that breaks it down even more oh the specific dvd they're looking for is x film well now you know exactly what to go and get like it's just bringing the layers of more specificity Mm. into the equation so that assistant can then smash out the task in the same way as when you're trying to find staff members the more you can go into the depths of specifics the more you'll tailor because as well if you create something that's really niche really specific tailored to almost a single individual what you'll find is when that individual comes across it it really resonates with them and they connect to it and that's something that i always did in my marketing like when it came to job offerings and i got a lot of people interested where i was really screaming about the environment sustainability how as a business our goal was to be as environmentally possible as we can and that space around as a team learning learning and progressing and moving forward so that drew a lot of attraction in but it was just the execution once i employed them i wasn't a stronger mm. so i think that's something to bear in mind if this person is saying that they've just got no no interest and I think another person, another thing is like they've said, need them to start ASAP. Obviously you're in the predicament now, but just in moving forward in the future, if you can overcome this situation is look to be more proactive rather than this, this is definitely a lot more reactive. Mm. So you want to be planning out. And like something I made the mistake of employing people is I'd kind of be like, right, well, I need to employ someone now, better start getting the activity going. It's like, no, 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 you need to be constantly marketing yeah. ready you need to be like marketing to employ someone six months ahead of when you need them yeah, so that you, you also, can go you through also, you almost need to figure out if it's so like it it's like similar to what your business is with garden you also need to be like a um a garden per person ratio or size garden per person ratio and then you can kind of predict in the future or like the near future right at this point i want to aim to have this many like clients mm. and that means i'm most likely going to need this many stuff yeah it's like putting those like, yeah have your goal place. reverse engineer down yeah which is something like in my business as well doing the planning i had the goal of like getting to a million pound turnover so i broke that down into everything understanding what the cost would be what the staff numbers would be down to like how much streamline thread would i be buying at a million pound turnover how yeah. much fuel would i be buying every week for the tools and whatnot for the fans yeah. None, because I would have gone all electric. Yeah, and when you were like, when you do eventually employ someone, I would say it takes a minimal of six months for them to actually be like up to scratch on what you want them to be doing. Yeah, and be prepared, especially depending what industry this is. But look at your industry, get to know the statistics around like churn rates. So in my industry in gardening, it was such a high churn rate industry, and it's very similar in terms of like hospitality and retail. Mm. Is the kind of thing that to have someone last six months is considered like a long term employee. And if that's yeah. your industry, how can you change that and how how can you improve on that? Or is your business model going to be based around you will be constantly bringing on new staff members? There's advantages and disadvantages, like huge disadvantages. In, if it's something that you, the person needs to understand the role well, like as an example, 
employing gardeners if they're doing a lot of domestic works and they're going from garden to garden they've got to know where the house is especially if you're dealing with like wealthier areas it's not just like go to one two three fake street it's like okay go to bramble bush that's on this road bramble bush mm-hmm. is like three quarters of the way down on the left look for the door or look for the giant red gates with the laurel hedges so you need to be able to know that you need to know the garden you need to know the customer whereas if it's just a case of we have a bunch of commercial sites once you've been there once you know you know the low down you're not going to interact with anyone you just go there jump on the mower mow the lawn done then you can afford to have that high churn rate mm-hmm. of people coming in and that can be cheaper because you're not paying you might be incentivizing people to stay on by increasing their wages over time so you can just save a few costs there and if you can get people in and out pretty easily and cheaply and efficiently that can be a model i don't think i would never advise that model it should certainly be more around given that we're a benevolent business the podcast is benevolent business it's about benevolence and caring nurturing relationships and allowing people to achieve what they want whether that is growth or whether that is to come in do their job know what they do and go home but it's creating a wonderful environment for people to work in Mm -hmm. anything you want to add on that point no no Cool. I just realised we've left that bloody thing on this whole time. I did also realise that, but I was going to wait for you to finish your point. Yeah. Would you like some more water? I'm a thirsty hoe. Would you like me to go and fill it up? Yes, please. <laughs> I'm a thirsty hoe. I've been saying that all week. Hi, I just got my company to 10 people and starting to realise that as a viewer, you should subscribe to this channel <laughs> and like. <laughs> Sorry, I tried to play that down, but you made me jump and please subscribe okay, so just got my company to 10 people and starting to find a problem between managing the office team to as they've put the lads on the tools I'm assuming that all people on the tools are lads I want to motivate them all easy for the guys on the tools we're plumbers they have jobs to complete and can earn great bonuses by getting more done I've got some of them on nearly 100 grand a year but they're grafted in capital letters in the office though i'm struggling how to motivate the two people i have they're good they get the job done but i can't seem to work out how to really drive them to help the business grow and i can't see how i can offer the same financial incentive as they're not fee earners for the business would appreciate any help do you want to start with this or should i start um I think a key point in how that was worded towards the end, they're not fee earners. I feel like they contribute to an opera, the operational need for the business and that ultimately comes to a fee. So I think your, yeah. almost your value you've just put on them, I'm not surprised they're not motivated. Yeah, because like, obviously if someone's on the tools, you are they go and do work, you send an invoice time, for yeah. it. Whereas if someone's in the office, they don't do their work and you send an invoice, they're just an overhead. And I think, firstly, yeah, strip that mindset. It's not that they, you can't just financially incentivize someone because they are going and. I don't know, I understand where they're coming from, though, no, I because. I do understand what they say. Obviously, that. as a fee owner, you can say, look, here's what you need to achieve, and that will generate enough revenue for the company. Whereas, if you go and get more done, that generates more revenue. But then that translates to office team members as well, because if the, if the job is like they're sending out the quotes and they're chasing up to see if people want to book work in, it's the same thing in the sense of, right, well, you've got to try and get these two over the line today. If you get all five of these quotes over the line, they agree, they sign, and it's booked in the calendar, you can get a bonus for that. Like, because they are generating more revenue for the company. Mm. And even if they're involved in like operational strategy, it can be a case of like, here's how we're running and here's 
where we're seeing a lot of bottlenecks in terms of getting work done or it could be a case of here's something that's coming up in expenses that's reoccurring it's becoming quite costly say like bits of equipment are going uh, seem to be quite expensive and are lost a lot like how can that be improved and if they're coming up with ways to do that then that should be rewarded mm. so if and there's even little things like how team members come and load the vans in the morning and get everything ready if you can make that more efficient and have things like organized and ready in a better way more efficient way then that's improving that's allowing the team to be out on the tools for longer mm. so that should be rewarded yeah and i think there's a large part of how like uh, how much guidance are these two people in the office getting like are yeah. they getting the feedback they need are they having the performance reviews that they need do they have a, a skills matrix that they're trying to aim to fill out like how, yeah. how are you measuring the success of the, the like non-fee earners because mm. if you haven't got those metrics in place you haven't really got any point well you have you do obviously if you've got a gut instinct on something or you're able to evidence something you can obviously approach someone and say i need these several things from you um like for for the role that you're in um but you need to be able to measure their skill set and when they are improving mm. And I think they've seen. It sounds like they've cracked it for the plumbers. Like as they said, there's, as they've said, there's people on like nearing a hundred grand a year, and obviously that's so difficult to achieve for office staff unless they are able to manage like a team of a hundred plumbers out on site and they can manage all of that themselves. And yeah, you can pay them a hundred grand for that because you would normally have to have multiple staff members for that. So rather than having four people on twenty five k, give one person a hundred k. But what? I suppose something to consider as well is what is it that they do that helps the company generate revenue profits and such and what are the bottlenecks in that what are, what is restricting that so like a framework i had developed in terms of rewarding this came from like so many different conversations with different business owners and one thing i picked up in particular from uh, a business owner that's had multiple business exits in chatting to them had this whole question around staff and they applied a reward scheme for people on the tools mm and I can't I think they said they did have it for the office and they did it in a case of each quarter each month whatever it was people could get earn a bonus but if you didn't perform xyz or like the example was if you were sick you didn't qualify for a percentage of the bonus so I, I thought that was good but then I just churned I would churn it around to make it positive so the example would be you've got guys on, as it says like team of people on the tools and they can do extra work generate more revenue and they get more money there could be things that you can introduce there in the sense of oh by the way if in q1 you are not sick and you you don't miss a day of work you also get another bonus because that's making your business more efficient and do the same thing with people in the office that's just as applicable you could say if you get through this quarter with no sick days you get a bonus of 500 pounds whatever that value is it's a way to incentivize people if that's an issue that's coming mm -hmm. up and i think that's just part of human nature and like in my business with staff i had people that were ill a lot of the time and i think it's a bit harder when you are like as gardeners we were out facing all the elements in the weather so if you're in the office it's much easier to be like oh, i'm ill but i can still go in and kind of just do the bare minimum whereas when you're on the tools you can't go out yeah. and be mowing a lawn in the rain so i think look at things like that it's there I all this framework noted down. I'm going to try and remember what it all was now. So it was attendance. It was uh, in the office. It could be things like based on the data we've got. Hopefully, this person's keeping like data in terms of understanding the inquiries coming in, what their success rate is, mm -hmm. if their closing rate is ten percent, fifty percent, ninety percent. So if the closing rate is fifty percent, you could set a target for the office team and say, right, by the end of the quarter, if you get our closing rate to sixty percent, so that's a ten percent increase, you will 
get a thousand pounds each mm. because it's obviously showing that more work is being brought into the company and also it means that the lead generation is becoming more cost effective because if you instead of having to get 10 inquiries in and if each inquiry is costing 100 pounds or 10 pounds whatever the cost is you're you're getting six of those instead of five mm. of those so it's reducing those costs and looking at other elements within that and it, trying to think of it could even be looking at operational how the the t people on the tools are working and say right currently the team on the tools we work in teams of two and here's what they're able to out like achieve they generate 600 pounds of revenue a day for the company if you can find a way for us to bring that average mm. to 700 pounds again i'll give you both a thousand pounds so i agree with like the the, the core of what you were saying there but there are a few things that I do disagree with I don't think rewards should be based on um, attendance I don't think attendance should come into it on TikTok. I think rewards should be based on like clear deliverables whether that is money or if that is not because I feel like when you grow your business that if it was to be like if you're not sick in Q1 this is what you get when you become a 10x company that is so hard to that is so hard to maintain when you it's have all of these like the thousands of employees, are you going to reward every single one if they're not sick for what mm. four months out of the year? Oh, and, well, and it'd be every quarter, so each quarter you could earn a bonus, or each month, however you want to do it. If you want to do your bonus at the end of the year, if you want to do a bonus at the end of the month, bonus at the end of the quarter. I think sickness is hard. It's pretty hard. I think to sickness say at the can end get very year. sticky because we all have different immune. There's multiple things that affect that. It could be stress, anxiety, depression. What mm. are you passing as sickness? Yeah, and would it exacerbate if they were to be if they were to have something where they need to take time and off and they're like, well, no, I can't lose my bonus because of it. Yeah, and also. Um, oh, what was I, I was gonna I was gonna say. Um, oh, you're thinking. Also, it. Oh, oh, sorry. sorry, I thought of it. Um, what do you assess people on? Because that, for the most part, needs to be very clear on a per department basis. So yeah. for operations, people going on site, on site, like I understand, you need to take into account how many off days they have, whether it's a genuine reason or not because that operally, like operationally impacts your business. Mm. If it is like for people in the office, they could be really, really hard working on their day. Like they can do two days worth of work in one day, but you're, you, but if they're, if they're someone that is sick a lot, say they're taking a week off out of a month, but they are the hardest worker and actually deliver the mm. most in those other three weeks in that month. But there is someone that is not ill, but only delivering 50%. So giving that reward out, I would view that as a very, like sticky area yeah but then i would challenge that and say someone could be really good at their job and they shouldn't lose out because they're sick but then equally i think if the bonus if you have a bonus scheme that's built around various different categories if you had five say it was the bonus was broken down into 20 percent categories so there was five key metrics if sickness is one of those but then they excel in the other four they're still going to get 80 percent of their bonus for achieving mm. those things it's just that 20 percent yeah, I feel it's, like you'll, just, you'll have to make that very, very clear. And yeah, I think, yeah, it's got to be that. And it, it hasn't necessarily all got to come down to money as well. It could be something... Won't, no, it, you need to ask the person what their goals are. What do yeah. they actually want? Because some people, like, if you there was career progression, hmm. I think a lot of people would buy into that. But some people don't want a career. Some people are happy to go to a nine-to-five job and, like, yeah. kind of make yeah, that money mom, that they yeah. are. Like, you need to understand that in people and if someone just wants a job which is nothing nothing wrong with that whatsoever if you are happy just to turn up do that do what your job role requires not doing more than that and that's where you're happy being that's fine but you as like a, a, a 
someone in business and someone in leadership need to identify those people and then make the best next endeavors based on that information so you, you mm. can't force someone or you can't ask someone who just wants a job and then have what they have in life to, to go into a career if they if yeah. that's not what they want yeah because by the sounds of it like for this person they've got people on the tools that are all especially if they're nearing 100k that means that they are really working and they are really driven to make more money whereas people in the office they might not give any care into whether the company grows or not mm. it's just a case of look you're paying me to do this job i would do it and it's purely based on the fact that you pay me each month which you get that would be financial so if they could earn more money it probably would be interested well, but you, some people might not be yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, to do that, you need to have all these qualifications. So you you have to be hungry for that if you want to be able to mm. do that. Yeah, but I'm talking about people in there. the office. So they're no, trying to make it. What I'm saying is, in the office, you don't need qualifications to work in an office. No. So you don't. You're not necessarily hungry to be there unless it's for things like money, um, career progression, uh, community, upskilling. Like, it, you you, you yeah. need to weigh what people want and what people yeah. are happy to do. And thinking as well, like going even going, <laughs> a lot of this coming back to the first question we discussed. It's. I, we should really stop saying that because I'm going to break this down into separate episodes as well. Yeah. But that, if you're lis- listening to the 10 minute video or whatever it is on this, then that gives you an, uh, the reason to go listen to the full episode. So <laughs> there you go. But where could you look to outsource key elements? So if they have got two people in the office that are really good at managing all the operations, and if they're, I'm gonna, let's just say in my example, they're doing everything. So they're doing the bookkeeping between them. They're doing the operations. They're ordering the materials that the team need there, ordering new tools when things break or when they need new equipment, they're sorting out the vans, leasing, whatever it is, purchasing vans as and when they expand, they're doing recruitment activity, they're doing all the social media. I mean, they're doing a lot if this is two people, but if there's one element that you're struggling with, so let's just check. So they're saying like the, the struggle is they want to build the company further and they're struggling with the two people they've got to incentivize. So I'm guessing the issue is they want to get bring they want to bring in more leads, they want to bring in more staff, they want to bring in more vans and the people in the office aren't really that excited by it and they're not that fussed by it because obviously that's just going to affect you. For them it might seem more stressful because it's going to be loads more work to manage and it might be that maybe they like working together and they don't want to introduce a third person in the office because I'm, I'm guessing that's where it's going to go. I think you, you give them a forum to be able to air that. Yeah, but the point I was going to make was maybe outsource elements of what they're doing. So if one thing they're not fussed about is really doing a lot of activity to bring more leads in, then maybe you can outsource that marketing. So that's something that, it didn't work very well for me in my business, but as an example, I had someone that was contracted to target specific clients for me so i'd be like right here's managing agent we want to get in with managing agents get big contracts we want to get in with housing associations it was all around getting large contracts so i would it was a contractor that there was on x amount of hundreds per month for them to do cold call outreach in and cold emails follow up build those relationships mm. to get that work bring those leads in and get the work over the line admittedly they didn't do it they never they brought one lead in that was a one-off job for a few hundred quid and I had spent thousands of pounds yeah. and they hadn't. And this was like months and months and months I worked for them. That's a bad example. You might find people that can do that really effectively, but look at other ways to outsource that kind of thing. And it might be like social media management. It might be that in order to bring in more leads and generate more work, you need to be up in that activity. So maybe outsource that element so that the people in the office aren't doing that. And it gives them more time to focus on the quotes and such. And 
again, like the phone line, maybe you outsource just taking the initial phone call to pre-qualify. So then the people you've got in the office are only dealing with pre-qualified leads. Like these little elements is just how can you outsource one little thing? It might, initially it might seem like, well, I'm just adding overheads to my business, but is that introduction of the new overhead going to help you scout to X amount more revenue and more become yeah, more Yeah, is that what the office term? team need to incentivise them to do that go to their field performance that you need? Yeah, and it hasn't necessarily got to be around incentivising them. It can just be that they're doing their job, they're brilliant, they just don't want to progress on it. So it's the bits that you would want them to do that is progression is instead of getting them to do it, just get someone else to do it. I mean, given that, like, I mean, they're saying that they can't give financial incentives and we've introduced a way that they can give financial incentives. It's about reframing how you understand those people working. So maybe it's just a simple case of if they were given some incentives, they would jump on the opportunity. It might be that they're just not interested in mm. in expanding their remit of work. But we've kind of covered a few ideas there of introduce financial incentives for them. They're still, they may not be fee owners, but they're still bringing in revenue and they're mm. still helping the business function. Introduce outsourcing components of what they do so that they can just get their job done and you're paying them for that job anyway you're just introducing new capital expenditure on more work and more team members i assume and so between that you should be able to find a way that you build your business and scale up yeah we don't know like as well with this person might be on the tools with the team they might be in the office with the office team or they might just be a mixture of both they might be the person that just deals with chaos when it all goes wrong we don't know, they haven't specified that, but if you have got some time on your hands, then you've got the opportunity to really sit with them, invest in them, take them for lunch, whatever, have a conversation. And this is something that in my business, I found it so much easier to work with people in the office than I did on the tools because I was trying to focus my time around being in the office anyway, so I could spend much more time with them. And it's much easier to just say, oh, for lunch, should we go here? Whereas when you're on the tools, it's like, well, you're out on the job. If you're in the middle of nowhere, you can't just say, let's go for lunch during a break. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you just need a bit of relationship management. Like if you are one of the like senior people in the team or run that business and you've got two people in the office that you're having a real like hard time with getting to do what is required of them then you need to also invest in that relationship mm. with them for you for you to be like considered a, a, like a leader for that business mm. or that team you need you need you do you need to have investment in those relationships and don't be afraid to be vulnerable be open be honest so sit down with them and just say really struggling with some ideas here i can incentivize the team on the tools and i don't want you to be put off by the fact that they can earn yeah. all these financial rewards so i want to look to work with you to create incentives what do you want like and that might be something you do with them together it might be something well i think do it one-on-one -on -one and do it together so maybe if you can just sit down in a more relaxed environment maybe away from the office like go for lunch mm. or something and just say want to incentivize you both but i need to understand what you're looking for what you want you might want completely different things i want yeah. to have this conversation together to get an understanding of where your minds are aligning and then from here i want to sit down with you both in a more formal we'll do this back at the office or something like more formally to go down what you're really looking to achieve and it's completely fine for you to say i just want to come in and do the job like i'm doing the job it's not too strenuous i get paid at the end of the month it means I can go home and don't have to worry. Mm. That's what I'm looking for and I've got it. I don't want to change that. They might say, yeah, I'm really looking to build this. I'm on 25K, I want to be on 50K. Let's look at how we yeah. can achieve that. And you can roadmap that with them. It's just, you've got to have that understanding and spend that time, as you said, invest in them, spend that time with them to gather an understanding of what their where their head is and what they want. Mm. I also imagine that um, 
if you've got two people on, um, does it say how many people are actually out on site doing operations? No, it just says got the company to 10 people. So that could be, they might only be counting people on the tools, given that they said they're the fee earners. They, it might be 10, including them and the two people in the office, which would mean... So I would just seven. say, if you've got two people in the office, I mean, maybe it was the kind of the, 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 the question was worded, but if you've got two people in the office, they're doing a lot more than just admin. They're, like you said, they're doing a lot. Like they're, they're Yeah, you can have like my company way got, more than that. Yeah, my company got to like 10 people and I had one person in the office. So I think it's also recognising like how the value that people bring and then being of the appropriate like stature in that business organization because if you are referring to them two people as admin for a company of 10 people with what seven of them being on site let's presume if you've got one person that's the the business owner um just by how the the this has come across is that you're not valuing them at the rate of what they're actually doing if you're just referring to them as admin and non-fee earners yeah which is very much discouraging yeah very true and if that's the kind of dialogue they've got in their heads that's probably the dialogue that they're expressing verbally or unverbally when they're with them but also i think like if you have got a team of 10 and it's seven people on on the tools yourself and then the two office team they really can't be doing all that much work because i was in that situation Mm. with gardeners and i had one person in the office with me and then all the rest on the tools and it wasn't like it was a lot of work, but it, and it also like they said they're plumbers, but it might depend what they're doing, and it might mean the works, the projects they do might be quite niche and specialist, and they're dealing with a lot of specific training yeah. around that, specific qualifications, specific materials that are hard to to acquire, that kind of thing. So it might be that there is a lot more. So it, it could be that they are just they have a very easygoing life with the two of them in the office together. It might be that they are very worked. Yeah, uh, we but we won't know. I think we've kind of concluded. You need to spend that time to have that conversation with them together and one on one, because otherwise it could just become toxic in the future. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to add on that? Mm-mm. Cool. Final one. I said I was going to save the hardest one to the last. Okay, I'm ready. It's, I think I don't know. Maybe a little bit. I, it's. I've. I think I've you know I'm not gonna say anything actually <laughs> how do I resolve this issue of two employees that hate each other I have a team of five that work for me all in one office so I'm assuming I have a team of five that work for me all in one office so I'm assuming there's six of them we're fairly closed in and I have two team members that seem to hate each other I don't want to get rid of either because they're both great at their jobs but I can't keep going the way it is it's ruining the atmosphere and the culture of the rest of the team the two both get along with everyone else, just with each other, that there's a problem. How can I resolve this? Hmm, I think you just need to get them both in a room with each other. And you. Yeah. <laughs> Not just them two. In a boxing ring. Yeah. But one thing I took from this reading this, so like the whole, why I think it's the challenge, the hardest one to deal with, is because this issue it's not how do you resolve this issue now it's this has been going on like two people i don't think they would have just hated each other in a moment it's this has been building over time and this Mm -hmm. has escalated and it sounds like the person in charge the business owner hasn't addressed it Mm -hmm. and it's now gone too far that it's too big of an issue that it's causing problems and unfortunately like the best advice really is to get a time machine go back and as soon as they started becoming any indication yeah, that there was an issue you need to address it very early on even if it's a case of you kind of bring it up to their attention and just so i've got i've got a feeling there's been some comments being made um that i've overheard like kind of what what is what is, is there anything going on um 
And if you're told no, then you're told no. Yeah. But it's the something that you do need to act on in that moment. If you have an off, an off feeling about something, mm. rather than sitting and letting it fester and potentially get worse, like just address it. Worst comes to worst, you just you just overanalyze something. Mm. Yeah, and I think if you're listening to this, you have got a team, and all you're building, or you want to build a team, is learn to be as proactive as possible. So if there is any indication of issues, like always be having your one-on-ones with your team members. I would say as frequent as you can, don't do it every day, but have a frequent one-on-one with them, <coughs> go out with the team, hang out with them together, see how they interact. <coughs> Stop interrupting me with your coughs, please. I'll cough on you. <laughs> <coughs> oh, God. It's not that kind of podcast. <coughs> oh, I signed up for the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, be proactive in that. Understand your team, understand what motivates them and understand what problems they've got coming up like in terms of work and do what you can to mitigate against such an issue building because it takes time to build this hatred that the person describing between two people and that sounds like it sounds like something they need to not to like terrify you but it sounds like something you need to resolve within the next kind of month i would even say next week i would even say today like you need to resolve this today otherwise you could lose your whole business. Like it could all fall apart. You could end up with everyone in the office just quitting because they can't stand the toxic culture. And it could be that you have to let go. Like they've said, they're both really good. It might be you have to let go of both of them. It might be you have to actually pick between who is the best. And it depends how long they've been working for you. You can't just fire someone. If they're getting their job done, if they are good, you cannot just fire them. No, I them. don't think that's necessarily the resolution here I think no. the key thing to think about is like how do you limit their interaction with each other if they don't need to work with each other or not on a work basis if they do get them to work from that's home that's a separate conversation well, yeah, potentially, yeah if they're working um, if they're in an office they can probably do their job from home seating plan maybe sit them I mean it sounds like a little bit like school when you sit like yeah it's a really quiet one this was a stupid um, idea but get them engaged with other people or other people that have similar mindsets of like how to how to appropriately address conflict in a workplace like sit them next yeah. to someone that is able to not train them in that but if you start being around people and have exposure to that way of thinking that mm. can like impact how you address that yourself and i think yeah just get get them in like a room with each other as soon as possible i don't think this isn't for resolution you can't tell two people to wake up with each other that's not really i don't think that's a workplace and it might be something outside of work that they in a personal relationship that's not something I think yeah you can't you can't address that in a workplace I think you do over cross a line in that aspect but um, you need to say you, you need to make it obvious you are both good very good at your jobs but you need to learn how to coexist with each other yeah. without impacting the rest of the team and as a last resort find a HR consultant to work with if you don't know one and find one and it's probably too late you need to find them today but they will be able to help alleviate that stress and help find a resolution much quicker and because it will be very easy as I've discovered myself when you have issues between staff members or even if they've got issues with you it can be very easy to say the wrong thing and offend someone and Mm -hmm. everybody needs some people like to motivate communicate with people everybody has a different way they want to be communicated with and it's our coach that always used to say don't treat people how you want to be treated you need to treat people how they want to be treated Mm. and that's what you need to know in order to resolve this issue so it's I guess the actions are you need to have conversations with them together individually 
and it might be something that's personal it might be something professional if it's professional you can look to resolve it if it's personal then ultimately it's in their personal lives if you really are unsure which i think to be honest it probably is best if even if you have got contracts in place you've got all the due diligence you need and there's a lot of there's a huge paperwork trail in terms of all the training that they've done is have hr to hand to be able to resolve this because you can just ensure you tick all the professional boxes you need to because it can be like they hate each other but if they start hating you and they decide well i'm going to like depending where they are in the world it might be something that's quite achievable for them to just quit and rage and just sue Mm. and so if you've got hr on your side and you've done the due diligence and you've made sure you've done everything by the book crossed all the t's you've dotted all the i's that will protect you in the future ultimately it's your business and that's going to protect your other team members it's not even a selfish act of protect yourself it's this it's a selfless act of protect all the rest of your team members to make sure you are doing things legally properly so that they're not going to lose their jobs as well mm. did we resolve it yeah i didn't think that question was that hard well, I had to do a bit of clickbait at the no, start. I actually think the hardest... <laughs> what was the hardest one? I think the hardest question actually was the charity one. Really? Yeah. Ooh, interesting. Because I think that's that's a really like hard ground to cross on because it's volunteer work at the end of the day, so you don't want to come across ungrateful. But that, Yeah. That question actually is from a, a scenario when I did a management course with a group and there was like 10 of us and we got put into groups of three and we had to come up with an issue that we're facing we had to discuss it within our mm. little trio and then we would discuss it with the group and the solutions to the issues we raised and that was in the group of three it was one of the ladies run a charity and she had someone in the office and that's where the story came from mm. no i actually think yeah i think that was the hardest one. Oh, <clears throat> fun. fun 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 well thank you morgan i hope you enjoyed it yeah it is sorry for all the editing you're gonna have to do from the coffin that's fine <laughs> I'll just cut all the clips of you out. <laughs> okay. And I'm just here for a good time. Any? Oh. Okay. Ended. <laughs> yeah. Should we just end it like that? <laughs>